Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast, episode 55. I am Woo-hoo. your usual host, Colin McFader, <laughs> along with my other unusual host. Unusual! Uh, <laughs> Clark Coffee. how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did I hear you correctly? Did you say that you're the usual host and I'm an unusual host? Or did yeah, you say you know. we're both unusual? Wait, <laughs> no, I'm miss- usual, you're unusual. You're- <laughs> I gotcha. Okay, all right, fair enough, you know. Look, I, I've. It wouldn't be the first time I've been called unusual. I can. I take it as a compliment. Uh, there you from go. Now so on, so right? so uh, you bring it, bring it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah. And so so as I said, we're doing we're doing the or I, I don't think I mentioned the deer hunter. You didn't. Yet. I think you I just said episode fifty five. But we are doing the deer hunter. Spoiler alert. The deer Spoiler hunter. alert. <laughs> uh, from nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. If you haven't seen this film yet from nineteen seventy eight, then stop this podcast immediately and go watch it because <laughs> yes, there's yeah. gonna be spoilers ahead this, for this a forty plus year old movie. Forty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I, I feel so. Years. I feel. I feel so old, man. This. Um, this film came out when I was two. Uh, obviously, I did not see this movie in the theater when it came out because <laughs> weren't of a big my, uh, af- Camino fan when you were two years old. <laughs> my aforementioned <laughs> age of two. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it makes me feel old. You're like. Have you this- ever gotten the chance to see it in theaters or no? No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. Um, it would be fun. I. I mean. This is a film that I might expect that somebody like Quentin might show at his new Beverly, and mm-hmm, he may have, yeah. and I just don't know about it. But uh, yeah, I'd love to see it, especially if it were actually projected on 35 millimeter film. Yeah. I'd love to see yeah. it. Yeah, I, I mean, Zygmunt's, I, I uh, cinematography. Yeah, yeah, I would take almost any uh, excuse to see. I mean, geez, I'll, I, I, I just love seeing films in a theater. Period. So you know. It has well, to be a yeah. pretty crappy film for me to not want to see it. <laughs> and I guess I, I'm curious to know what uh, what prompted you to choose this. Um, well, you know, what was your, yeah. your choice driven by? Yeah, yeah. So, so let me explain a little bit about why I chose it. But I want to hear your experience viewing oh, sure. this yeah. film first, though. But that's what, but yeah. because because I don't want to taint like what you kind of share with me because mm-hmm. this is the first time you've ever seen this film. So yeah. I'm yeah. as as we've kind of done in the past. I'm always curious to to kind of see the film again through a younger set of eyes a different generation is always interesting to me but before we do that so the reason that i picked it so you know when i was when i was kind of a a young flourishing you know uh cinephile you know i was like in my teens this was one of the films that was kind of like canon right it was like Mm -hmm. if you were if you were kind of reading about films if you were studying films you were inevitably going to see this film mentioned um it's you know and so i had watched this as kind of i'm sure that i rented it on vhs was probably the first time that i watched it so you know here i am watching it in you pan and scan on a vhs tape um Mm. so sadly the presentation was probably not all that great and left and left a lot to be lacking but um but the thing that really stood out to me I can't remember a ton of that original viewing, which was probably when I was somewhere between 18 and 21 years of age. I don't remember exactly, maybe a little younger, but around there. Um, I, the thing that really stuck out to me was, was the emotional intensity Mm -hmm. of parts of that film. And we're going to talk about those, but the Russian roulette scenes, you know, the POW stuff. So I had this extremely strong, emotional imprint that i still you know if somebody were to say deer hunter i would have today i'd be like whoa emotionally intense you know i mean i like i could almost like feel that from the experience that i had all those years ago when i first watched the film as a young kid so i had this kind of emotional imprint but i couldn't remember too much else about the film again 20 plus years since i've seen it so so I, you know, I, I, I it was just, it kind of, I just had this flash, you know, when it was time for me to pick, I was like, you know, I have this really strong emotional imprint still from this film, from that old viewing, but I can't really remember much about the film. I don't remember what actually happens. I, I only remembered like half the cast, you know, I was like, well, I remember Walken and, and De Niro's in it, but I can't remember anything. Oh, it's Streep, maybe I remembered was in it. Um, so I thought, hey, it, it'll be interesting to re-experience this film all these years mm-hmm. later and then also get to see what your thoughts are on it. So that was kind of my, the overall reasoning was like, had this strong emotional imprint, couldn't remember anything else, was curious to see how it would play today. Yeah. I mean, so for me, it was, um, 
it was interesting because, as you said, yeah. this is kind of like in the the canon of of like movies. You know, like American movies. It's it's very it's a it's new a fa- it's a very yeah. famous movie, and it's um, yeah. You know, everyone knows of the the Russian roulette scene and things like that, and it's yeah. been referenced in a lot of other movies and video games, and you know, you yeah, it had a major impact. Yeah, so I'm um, super so curious. it's it's not like I was going into this for the first time, you know, with no no idea, idea. what it was. Right. Um, I I knew enough about it that I I you know kind of knew vaguely what to expect, but it did you know throw some curveballs. So. Hmm. I think one thing that really surprised me was, A, how little of it is actually in Vietnam. I mean, I say little, but it's, it's still like a, a good hour of the movie. But but in a three-hour movie, you, you, you kind of expect the, yeah. you know, the center, you know, the big kind of chunk of the, the majority of the movie to be in Vietnam. And, Did and you kind of that, expect it to be more traditionally a war movie? Like it's going to be I, like yeah, this? Yeah, I, I expected something more along the lines of, um, you know, a, a platoon or a full metal jacket or, or something like that. Yeah. Or, a, you know, a, not necessarily Apocalypse Now because that one, of course, is, while it's a war movie, it's it's much more than, you know, just a, just a mm. war movie. Um, but I expected something a little bit, I guess, more traditional. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas what I, 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 I think it kind of, you know, that again, just kind of, threw me a curveball when I was watching it now it's like even and we'll get into this later when we talk about a little bit the story structure of it but but you know when it cuts to the Vietnam moment I was like checking my my thing to make sure I hadn't accidentally <laughs> skipped ahead because it just kind of throws you into like you know you're they've been there for months and yeah now how did you yeah. watch it did you watch it streaming did you have physical media? yeah it was on uh it's on prime video I think so okay I watched so the uh the prime video um, okay so you want and I'm assuming an HD proper yeah, uh yeah. aspect ratio okay yeah um, so you had yeah, at least like a decent, <laughs> yeah, at least you had a decent viewing experience. Well, sometimes, yeah, and it was, I mean, it's, it's, it was the, the quality was never like, it was, it was actually quite decent, yeah. uh, in terms of the scan. So, well, I mean, just to digress a tiny bit, I mean, you, you laugh about it being cropped, but you know, I, I, a lot of times I'll see on streaming that, um, aspect ratios wider than 16 by nine are actually still cropped yeah. into 16 by nine on streaming. I know here yeah. in the States, HBO max does that a lot. Uh, with their films, it's extremely frustrating. Uh, so I was just curious, you know. Yeah, and uh, a lot of Prime Video too. Oftentimes, yeah. I'll see. Like I remember, I was watching Poltergeist uh, a few months ago. When it you was, can always tell. The it's weirdest horrible. thing about it was that the credits were in the proper two thirty-five. And then they so cut you in. have this whole. You can see, you know, the black mm-hmm. bars, top and bottom, all that. It's in two thirty-five, and then suddenly it cuts into the first scene, and it's in. I was like, so you have the the, you know, two thirty-five <laughs> yeah. scan. But anyway. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so so I. I Watched it on um, Prime Video, and um, you're like, "Did it skip? What happened?" <laughs> it was just, it was, yeah. I think, and I think the the other thing that's sort of strange is that, like, while the movie is about this cast of characters, these friends, you don't really get to know all that much about them. You kind of know the basics. You know that they're workers, mm-hmm. they're they're Russian Orthodox, that the one guy's getting married, but mm-hmm. you don't like. There's not many moments of of kind of like you know, fundamentally learning about these characters, which I thought was interesting. I thought that was very, again, mm. different than I expected. Um, and again, ultimately, just the fact that it was, it was, you know, not, it's not all that much of a Vietnam movie. It's like kind of like Vietnam adjacent in a way. Like, it, yeah. it, like you know, they, they have this experience of Vietnam, but the, the larger sections of the film, the, you know, two-thirds of the film are back in Pennsylvania and Appalachia. Mm-hmm. Um, in this like kind of I don't know if it's a mining town or if it's just an industry town or it's what steel it's working, to be, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I think that that was that was definitely like the first hour of the film being taking place at a wedding was definitely not not something I expected. Um, I I think that it was yeah I, I I definitely also you know I w- I wouldn't say that it's a movie that I was like hyped to see if that makes sense like it wasn't sure. like there was a lot of like. It's yeah. a classic movie. It's seen as a classic movie, but it's not like, you know, it's not like going into The Godfather for the first time. And, it, you know, you're, I'm, I, I didn't know much about it. I hadn't really spoken to a lot of people about it. So I definitely mm-hmm. um, kind of went in knowing what the movie was about vaguely, but also not really, you know, there was no preconceived opinion on it. I had no idea whether I would like it or I would, whether I would dislike it. And I think I landed, you know, I liked it. I think I landed somewhere sort of like maybe three quarters of the middle way, you know, where it was mm-hmm. like lots of things that I, I sort of questioned about it, but also, you know, I made it through a three hour movie and didn't ever check my watch or my phone or whatever. So, um, you know, I stuck <laughs> by it and it was, it was good. Um, and I, and of course, you know, you've got these really, really incredible performances as well. Yeah. Um, you know, John Cazale is one of my favorite actors. 
Um, you've got De Niro, you've got Meryl Streep, Christopher Walken. Um, so you have a really, really... John know, Savage, who John did Savage a great, as well. Yeah. yeah, you get this really, really incredible cast um, of, of characters and, and of, of actors that were kind of like, you know, with exception to maybe Meryl Streep, all kind of in their, their like golden age. Mm. Um, and especially with John Gazzali, who passed away not long after shooting this. Right. Um, His last film. Yeah, you really you really get this this kind of incredible sense, and it's it's interesting seeing John Cazale in this with Robert De Niro, of course, because they were both in The Godfather, but mm-hmm. uh, well, Godfather too, but yes. you know, didn't share any screen time. Sort of like our last film, Heat, where you had Pacino and De Niro in the same movie, but they never actually shared any screen That's time. That's true. Yeah, a little um, connection there. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that you know, as we get into the details, I think that it will have some interesting conversations because I I definitely didn't know what to like I I subverted my expectations in a lot more ways than I expected. Um, okay, that's so, interesting. I, and, yeah. and just in the most simplest of terms, because you've not, you, you've kind of shared how you were a little bit surprised at this tr- structure. So I, I just to kind of, I mean, did you enjoy watching the film just from a purely audience perspective? Like how, what was your, what was your experience in that sense? Just as a, just as an audience, you know, if you're like not analyzing it, you're not mm-hmm. looking to deconstruct it. What was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, it's a really, I mean, it's Vilmos Sigmund, so it's, it looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the performances are great. Um, as we've spoken about before, I'm not really one to, like, care about the nitty-gritty plot details right. too often. Yeah. So so I think, uh, you know, I, I definitely would say that I enjoy it. Like, I would, it would be a movie that I would come out of the theater had I seen it, you know, when it came out and, and, and sort of say, you know, I would give my recommendation to see it. I wouldn't give a glowing, like, raving, you know, you have to see okay. this immediately. But, but I think that it was... Definitely like, a, a film that, that um, you know, it's a good movie. I think that's the easiest you, way to put it. It's a, do you feel like, you know, because it's, you know, the, you say it's, you know, it's Vietnam adjacent, and I, and I would agree, but it's an important part of the film. Do you feel like it being kind of U.S.-centric and kind of, you know, uh, Vietnam-centric, do you feel like that has any impact at all? Do you feel like it translates pretty directly, or do you feel like some of that might be you know, uh, remove you a little bit from it. I mean, I mean, I don't, I, so I think the, the interesting thing about it is that it doesn't do, it uses the Vietnam to analyze the, the, uh, the, um, you know, impact on these people mm-hmm. yeah. in their lives and their relationships and things like that. But it doesn't really do much to actually analyze the war itself, which so it could just be any so war. many other, yeah, it could really ultimately, yeah. and I also found myself watching it that as soon as it went to Vietnam, I was like, you know what, I was really interested in this this kind of little mining town. Like, I was, yeah. like, really kind of invested in that aspect, and I almost found <laughs> myself, like, longing to go, to go back to that. Like, I, 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 weirdly enough, thought that the Vietnam stuff was the stuff that I was the least interested in in the whole movie. Very I thought that the, the aesthetic and the, the location and the just the dynamic of that town was so interesting and kind of rich in detail. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you had all these, like, just funny little things like the trucks and they, they're always racing. There's these kind of like faceless trucks that are flying through the town at all times. That's one of the first things you see in the movie is this truck mm. barreling in. You almost mm-hmm. think it's brakes are broken or something because it's <laughs> going through fast. Yeah. Um, but, and then you see that they interact with these trucks and that they all work at a steel mill and that they go out hunting into the mountains, which I don't Drinking think that's together. what the Appalachian mountains look like. But, but yeah. um, uh, um, you know, it, I thought in just their relationship with their the like the mothers and the other people in the town, this bar that they're at, yeah. um, like I almost felt like it would have been perhaps a, a more interesting movie to focus on on that. And maybe you have, of course, that would fundamentally alter what the movie is. But I, I think that that was like something that I really was fascinated with. And, and yeah. um, I think that that was really unique. And it almost felt sort of disjointed from the Vietnam part. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, there's certainly not many films, you know, especially American Hollywood studio films that would have ever spent an hour plus on a wedding, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and you notice there are these long sections without any dialogue whatsoever, or it's kind of just, you know, aside from maybe, you know, some characters kind of just talking to each other very briefly, you know, I mean, but there's not really dialogue, and there's certainly not dialogue that that uh, propels any kind of plot at all you know so it's almost like in a doc it's like it almost feels like a documentary right it's like you're watching these people at work and you're watching the mechanizations of the steel mill you know Mm -hmm. now you're Mm -hmm. now you're like with them 
you know, at the bar and you're seeing their, their camaraderie and, and how their kind of relationships are through the way that they act and speak to each other at a bar and you kind of get a sense of the town and then you're at the wedding and you get a sense of who these people are and what their ancestry is and their family history is and all of these kind of things through their music, through their dance, um, through the way that they, uh, they celebrate together. I think it's very interesting. I mean, it's, it's just rare to find a film that would take an hour to do that. Yeah, and that, and I as I said, like that was kind of my favorite part about it. Like I, yeah. I, I was kind of sitting there really enjoying their dynamic when they're when they stop the car and they're on the hunting trip and they're all having that conversation and yeah. you know Don John because Ali starts calling Robert De Niro gay and and all this like like it was like just a really I think fascinating relationship between these these people and also I think a really interesting kind of analysis on like like class and like middle America at the mm-hmm. time and yeah. and you know what these these miners do and that their lives really seem to be going nowhere and, and I, I I think I was more so surprised that it didn't really come back to that like it didn't really focus on that as soon as it went to Vietnam it was it kind of shifted away from that a little bit and of course it's it, it's of course like informed by those those opening moments and those mm-hmm. well I wouldn't say moments those those opening that opening act really yeah it's a full um, act yeah um, and it's like and that kind of goes that that carries through but but carries through to a much less extent I think than I expected um, you know even when they return back home the the relationships between these characters more or less kind of resume like you know Robert De Niro's character in, in the opening is is this kind of mysterious not necessarily short tempered but definitely doesn't take kind of you know crap from anybody kind of like tough little guy. impulsive little exactly. impulsive and, and he sort a little of comes like back yeah. and and is ultimately sort of seems very similar to that and then the only real difference other than like the, some subtleties are the you know the fact that he he doesn't kill the deer of course he, he right. lets the deer go um, but like his relationship with Meryl Streep for example who of course is going to get married to John Savage's character when he no no sorry Christopher Walken's character um, yes when he was supposed to return. Um, but, you know, Streep and De Niro sort of in the opening have this kind of like well, they, but, yeah, back and forth, right? There, there's kind of like a little bit of a love triangle, if you will, that's set mm-hmm. up in that first act. Of course, Walken remains in Vietnam. We can kind of get to some of that. It's, you know, as an offshoot of his <coughs> Russian roulette, but he stays mm-hmm. in Vietnam, doesn't come back. And so then you have this kind of weird, hesitant, halfway kind of relationship with Streep's character and De Niro's character. Yeah. It's not ever really fulfilled, but, you know, um, there's definitely, uh, it, it's, I think it's used to illustrate a distance that kind of exists in De Niro's character just emotionally. With, when he's emotionally distant to the entire town when he comes back, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he kind skips of his welcome back party thing. Yeah. Serves to kind of show his maybe his alienation from you know from this experience that he's had that's kind of maybe pushed him even a little further away yeah. from what he used to know. And for all those people who don't have these experiences that he went to now, which of course was, you know, definitely something that was in the the cultural conscience of this country at that time, very much so, was the experience that uh that veterans were having when they would return to the country. Yeah, this, this alienation. A- yeah. Alienation and, and even hostility they might sometimes feel from some parts of our uh, of, of American culture here. and or But even, in, even regardless of that, just how that experience of combat and what they experienced um, it just can have the potential to really isolate you or have an isolating feeling, you know, from, from other people. Um, yeah, I, I mean, so... So I, I have to agree with you. You know, when I when I watched the film, I was surprised. I didn't remember that that whole first hour, that that whole first act was, in effect, a wedding. I mean, that's you know, there's a little mm. bit of, but I mean, it's almost. And I was really surprised by that, and and it really got me thinking about you know contrasting a film like this, um, from the '70s and a film of today. And you'd also talked about, you know, the editing where you were like, wow, you know, from that first act, there was just this like jump cut into I'm in Vietnam and I'm like, what is going on? You know, and De Niro's character is laying on the ground and it's hard to kind of pick up what's actually happening. You almost thought the film had kind of, you know, 
you'd missed something like maybe mm-hmm. the it you know like it's it bit missed a section or something in the stream um well the film won uh academy award for best editing yeah, yeah. um i'm kind of curious and it won best picture you know uh so obviously at the time this pacing and this editing this story technique was was lauded at the time right it was mm-hmm. people were obviously uh, really spoke to that audience of that era i'm curious like what do you what do you think i mean it's kind of interesting to contrast this film right it's um a that it's a three-hour film b that it takes so much time to dis- to to kind of just i want to say almost luxuriate in these moments of character or these moments of like showing the 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 relationships of the town and the texture of the people in, in the town and through their mm-hmm. jobs through the bar through the wedding um even it even when we are in vietnam we don't see we don't spend a, a, a lot of time in a lot of different places almost the entirety of that second act where you're in the bar i mean in the bar in the in vietnam is in that little pow that small pow camp it's very mm-hmm. claustrophobic it's very small the location's very small we don't move much and it's almost the entirety of that section is the Russian roulette game that's being played. And even so, that, though, it's weird because it's like you're sort of sitting there. So you watch it and, and you've got this full hour of these guys, you know, and the wedding is kind of doubling as a celebration for their going away to Vietnam yep, yep, because yep, they volunteer. Yep. yep. Um, and then suddenly you're you're in this village in Vietnam, as you said, De Niro's on the ground. And then walk-in lands. Yep. And they meet up. And they meet up and it's like, Okay, so clearly months have been by because they don't even really recognize each other that well, but they kind of hug and embrace. Yep. And they're like, "Oh, you're kinda, here." Yeah, yeah. Um, there's this there's this weird thing where it's like it's like De Niro has this one on one with one of the. You don't really know what's going on. It's, and yeah, it's, yeah, and then and then suddenly there's mortars going off, and then all of these soldiers run out of the woods, and it's it's like Vietnamese soldiers, Viet Cong soldiers, which you don't even know for um, sure. It's it's like yeah. a line of you soldiers. don't. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't say far they in the distance. And they just kind of stand and stare at them, and then and then cut cut again, and then suddenly we're in this POW camp, this POW camp, and yep. and they're captured. Even that is like you know, I was sitting there thinking, okay, the the way that I expected this film to go was that you have this opening, this this send off of the characters, they go yep. through all this stuff in Vietnam. Of course, this is a more traditional way to you know sure make a film, but but that you the send, bulk send of off the film. And, and and then and then the the finale of the film is this you know this. Uh, uh, Russian roulette scene, but really right. the Russian roulette scene also begins as soon as they're in the POW camp. Of course, they're watching two other people do it. But then, right. so then I thought, okay, so they're watching these other two people, other two people do it, and then they're not going to do it until the end, and that's going to be the big finale. But no, and then next thing you know, they're pulled up, and De Niro's <laughs> like, I got to get. Like it yeah. really, really is um, structured in a strange way because it's like you're just kind of sitting there going, like, well, I, f- I don't know. It, I, I was sitting there thinking like. I'm sitting here more trying to catch up, and that's kind of the difficulty I'm having with with being really totally invested in it. Yeah, well, because like I, I'm I wanna... sitting there and kind of going like, I don't even know how they got here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they like. How do they? You know, how do they change yeah, these people? Because let's... they really, you can tell that they've they've definitely changed. Like they're like hardened. Yeah. You know, combat. Uh, you know, uh, soldiers now, and and right. um, you know, they've clearly again been in Vietnam for a while, and so I'm not saying that you know traditional storytelling is is better or superior but anyway but i think the film could really have used like maybe one scene in between where you actually kind of get a sense of like how these characters changed from it's very interesting isn't it? it i mean do you think that this is a i mean maybe some of this is an era thing uh you know because it's look because the, the film definitely doesn't have a problem taking time to show things right i mean yeah. again we've gone on and on about how much time it took for you know to show the wedding but Look how much time it takes to show that Russian roulette game. I mean, it's it's this it's it's the suspense in that is just amazing. I mean, the yeah, it's really paced out. Yeah, it's yeah. really paced out. It's very very methodical. It really builds and builds and builds and builds. And so the film clearly has no problem taking time. You know, yeah. and it's three plus hours long. So it's clearly not worried about being long. So it's it, it's interesting that these these quote unquote plot points are just cut out and then you're left as an audience to just fill in the blanks to guess Mm -hmm. what happened Mm -hmm. um and i think that would lose probably a a large percentage of a modern audience because it's just we don't see that in today's films and i do notice i think if you watch more films of this era or foreign films uh as well 
um, I think there's it's more frequently that that a filmmaker will do this and trust mm-hmm. that that you as an audience, hey, you know, you don't need to see the guy go from the couch to the toilet, like, <laughs> like you know, you yeah, know can, that he, like you know how somebody blanks, yeah. got where they got, you know. I don't know why I use toilet for that. That's funny. I'm like, I'm just yeah, imagining like, <laughs> here's a movie about a guy needs to go to the bathroom. What am I thinking? And we watch him walk all the way. We w- yeah. But, so I, I, it's it's a good question about like, what, is it the era? Because you know, I, I, yeah. I love films from this era. Like I, right. I, I like a lot of foreign films and, um. So I think it's I think for me it's not necessarily my issue isn't necessarily with the um I've, even if I I don't even if I can call it an issue my yeah it's just that you noticed gripe, I don't know yeah the thing I noticed is it's just a notice it's yeah. not that it's um structured in this way it's not that it's you know it's not that we don't see but I think weirdly enough for a three hour movie it 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 seems to. I feel like the suspense could be even better fulfilled mm. if if we if we saw more of, you know, the, it, it's like, to me, sort of like, uh, you know, if if Hitchcock did Psycho and Marion got to the Bates Motel and took a shower immediately, right? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, you know, well, we were, you know, it's not that. It's I like about, that analogy. For me, it's not yeah. necessarily about the plot or the character development or like the story. It's more so that I th- I feel like the scene could be even more effective because I think what what I think threw me off about it is that again war changes people. That's a very common theme in a lot right. of war movies that that war is fundamentally changing people. Yeah. So we jump into the scene in Vietnam in the village and we know that these characters have changed and you know yeah it's not really that important to see the specific you know we don't need to see some guy blowing up in front of the other guy and he's like oh I've, I'm crazy now and I've got this PTSD <laughs> I'm and, crazy and, now. And that's, you know, we don't necessarily need to see that. I think giving us more time with the characters as they are now would have helped that suspense because you're kind of sitting there going like, hang on, I don't really know what Robert De Niro's been through versus what yeah. Christopher Walken's been through. Right. And like, so I feel like, and we also don't really know, you know, is this the first time that they've seen each other yeah. in in months or have they just kind of, it's been like a week? And, and so I'm not saying that it's like the details of the plot that are necessarily the important part. I think that just that... The, but some the of the character development. Of the scene. However, I also can like on the kind of flip side of that. I sort of think that the 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 scene of the Russian roulette in the POW camp is almost less important than when they get back to Saigon and mm. they care. Like I feel like that the scene in the POW camp is almost sort of an introduction to what happens after the fact. Well, so I and- can sort of understand on a, on a like a fundamental level why. You know, they're kind of like, no, no, this is just introducing this idea of, right. of Russian roulette that one of the characters will then take to the extreme later on. And, of course, De Niro is also, you know, very affected by it because he does the thing yeah. with John Cazale later. But, um, yeah. Well, at the, you know, in a way that I'm think- thinking about it, too, is, you know, if I think about... Um, so, obviously, we're talking about this Russian roulette scene. It's clearly a, a central, vital symbol a thematic symbol in this film right and you know and maybe if as as you're talking about how it's clear that this film has excluded a lot of this this the war experience as it were that that Mm -hmm. most films would have kept in right what happened to these men as they've as they were you know landed on the battlefront and as they've experienced their first aspects of battle etc etc um all of that is foregone and maybe an interesting way to think about it, I don't know, I'll posit this hypothesis to you and just tell me what you think, is that the Russian roulette scene actually stands in for all that. So mm-hmm. the Russian roulette scene is actually a symbol for the dehumanization and violence and kind of the senseless violence almost by chance that, it, you know what I mean? That Because it's like, nobody knows if they'll live or die and it's almost just luck you know a lot Mm -hmm. of people like if you talk to a lot of soldiers it's just like it's like luck that i survived it's not any you know it's like nothing else because it's like when people are dying to the left and right of you it's just luck if you survive or not you know and so i almost feel like maybe this this motif of russian roulette is kind of a stand-in for that war experience Mm -hmm. for these soldiers and so instead of you know, kind of traveling with them as they go through, you know, 
different aspects of, you know, them arriving in country, them, you know, going through their first battles and et cetera, becoming more hardened, witnessing violence around them, the loss of a friend or et cetera, et cetera. That's all contained within this scene. Yeah, it represents, yeah, a, a greater kind of scope. And so then um, that's, and that's revisited, you know, it's like how these characters then are affected by and, and deal with that violence they were exposed to, that trauma. So you see how, you know, um, Savage's character is affected by that. Obviously, he's, he is physically, you know, I mean, he's left almost like what he, I think he's like loses both his legs and an yeah. arm, right? Or yeah. something. I mean, so he's, he's in a hospital he's like unable to integrate at all and, back and doesn't even want to see his wife and, and yeah. his wife is so traumatized she can't even speak yeah. right For knowing what has happened to her husband and having gone through this you see walken doesn't come back from vietnam at all he, and he, and he's um is addicted to that like he literally the thrill starts, of it yeah starts doing that is it thrill it's like you don't even know you know it's like yeah. sometimes people relive violence they're traumatized by yeah. um not because not because they want more violence but because it does something to yeah, it makes brains, them almost feel you. yeah it's like it's like the only way they can feel alive and without any senselessness is is yeah and and um, and just and you see in you know that de niro's character is 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 he's he's not not affected he's not not affected <laughs> he is also affected but in a different way Mm -hmm. Um, and you see that in the remoteness, you know, his inability to integrate back into the, you know, and he sadly, ha you know, he goes and tries to save, um, uh, Walken's character. And sadly that Russian roulette scene is kind of plays out again. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this time Walken dies, which is like a really super intense scene, man. I mean, that's one of the most, whew, like the, the acting and performances in the scene. And some of these, I mean, it's so, gosh, I mean little digression here i mean it's when you have such emotionally intense scenes god it is so easy to 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 do that wrong yeah no, totally. i mean i yeah. like and i know you've been there and, and as a director you, or as an actor too, and i know anything. you've yeah. seen this probably in other projects that you've worked in lord knows i have seen this so many times but i mean i where it's like it's so hard to hit that perfectly yeah, it is yeah. so difficult to hit this perfectly, and they really do. Um, and that came back to me when I watched this again. Was that just a, that rawness, that emotional intensity? Is like I feel like is rarely successfully captured on film the way this film captures that in those few scenes. To mm -hmm. me personally, I I don't know if if you felt some of that or if that if, if you could kind of uh, what your experience of that was. But I it, that's how I kind of experienced that. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think that's that's one of the reasons that those are the iconic scenes of this film, right? Yeah. Um, the the way that they are played out, I would say, is is definitely, you know, kind of the... I, I, I would say that the, the first one, again, um, with the... Like, I think that, that there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the actual Russian roulette scene. Mm -hmm. I think that my yeah I think the primary things that I'm I'm kind of iffy on are the things surrounding it. So I think that they okay. did such a fantastic job of you know yeah like what stood out to you where you're like you know hey this is you know I'm questionable or you said iffy like what are well I think what that are your, that, some of critiques of the film as I sort of said mind? it was just that I, I felt like um, I felt like I wasn't as invested in the scene the first time like okay. the first scene when they're playing Russian roulette in the actual camp. Oh, really? Um, I felt like I wasn't as invested as I could have been. I was. Okay. I was certainly invested, but I felt like I could have been more invested had I not, not been sitting there going like, all right, what's 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 the, the okay. give here? You know, what are like... and, and yeah. like, Whereas the second one, I think, I got is, it. is yeah. much, uh, you know, I would argue perfect in a way because we have that stuff. Gotcha. Because we yeah. know what De Niro is going to do, what he wants. We yeah. know Walken's character. We saw him in the hospital earlier when he breaks down, so we understand yeah. a little bit more about him. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it's not about to me again. It's not about um, plot. Like I said, um, you know, like right. like uh, we did the Thin Red Line uh, a while ago now. But mm -hmm. um, you know that's a movie that really, if you ask someone what that movie's about, you can't really give an answer. There's there's not really much plot to that movie and yet you care really deeply about these characters that you don't have a lot of time with either mm -hmm. yeah like because there's such huge a huge ensemble. cast of characters in that and so i think 
you know, to relate that to kind of this, um, I think that first scene, I think if I just kind of, again, because it's like you're, because as I said, you know, every war movie discusses, which rightfully so, discusses the idea that people change. And I think mm -hmm. if I understood just the change that these characters had gone through a little bit better and just kind of got maybe just even like one little moment of, of going like, all right, De Niro has been totally screwed up by this or, or Walken has been like his experience at war has been, and again, we don't need to see, like I said, we don't need to see someone being blown up in front of them right. or something like that, but just right. something to go when they're sitting in those chairs that first time in the, in the POW camp to go like, dang, like this is like, I can understand so fundamentally how these people are, have been and are being changed by this. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, it, and I'm not saying that it doesn't do that at all. By no means. It's, yeah. I just think that there's there's elements to which I think they could have heightened it and they could have raised those those yeah. like personal well, and stakes. I can, and I can see that for sure. I mean, look, it's not like I didn't experience that like little disconnect as well. You know, I mm -hmm. think because mm -hmm. you know we get look, film is a type of grammar, and. Yeah. Yeah. Grammar changes over time, too, right? Just like any language, our language is always changing. You have some words, you know, are, leave the lexicon, new words come into the lexicon, and uh, new ways of phrasing and syntax are also kind of morphing and changing. And, and film it, cinema is exactly that. It's a language, and it has a grammar, and it has a syntax, and that changes. Mm -hmm. And I think um, our expectation, that, that's set by expectations, you know? Yeah, and I think yeah. you're absolutely right. If this film were to be made today, that I don't think a director would make that choice. I think 999 times out of a thousand, you know, or maybe a thousand out of a thousand, you know, but I think it'd be very unlikely that a director would make this change to, to, to just make a, a, a spatial, like a geographic spatial and plot jump cut that huge. Yes, I don't. Mm. I don't think that 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 would happen today. And no, I can definitely no. see your point, um, because you're you're not caught up now. You're not with those characters in that bamboo cage in the river. You're you're back here. You're you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, what happened? Mm -hmm. and, and especially when you spent an hour, a little bit yeah. over an hour with those characters in the start of the film, and then suddenly, right. suddenly you're you're with them after such a life changing journey. Yeah, and, you're not, and so and you're not it is kind them. of, but again, I, I do also kind of understand the aspect that the function of the POW scene is very much to represent and introduce this idea too. Um, yeah. And so I think it's not necessarily, I, I don't think I disagree with any of the like overarching fundamental choices of the film. I think it's more so that I think that there's like tweaks that could be made just to yeah, like, of course. like slight you don't even have to. You don't even have to qualify it. It's totally, it's, it's yeah. a, totally appropriate as, you know, it's like, you're going to have different, you're going to bring who you are as a filmmaker or, or as an audience member or a combination mm -hmm. of the two to a film and have different uh, thoughts and opinions. That's okay. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. invalidate the, the other person's choices or anything bad, no, you know, it's, exactly. it's what's interesting yeah. to kind of break things down and analyze them. I, I want to talk a little more about that Russian roulette scene though, because you know, there was a little bit of controversy. So back when the mm -hmm. film was, there was actually a couple pieces of controversy about this film. Um, one of them was specific to the Russian roulette scene in that, so a, a lot of people when this film was released said, hey, that actually didn't happen. You know, the Vietnamese, the, the, the North Vietnamese didn't do this to POWs. This was not, there's like no recorded incidences of POWs being subjected to having to play Russian roulette. And apparently that was, you know, if you look back in the press at the time, this was a, a big issue on a lot of journalists and film critics, you know, uh, uh, articles about the film. And apparently the director even had to kind of speak to this on a, on a few occasions. I'm, I'm interested in it because I think it speaks to um, something that you and I have discussed a few times in this mm -hmm. podcast, especially earlier back when we were focused on Werner Herzog's films, is this idea of fact and truth. Mm -hmm. of of a uh, of kind of like a, a literal factual accuracy and an aesthetic artistic truth and i think this is a good example possibly of that um what do you think i mean it's, especially when we're talking about this is a his, this is a film that's 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 set in a his, like an actual historical event right but the people are fictional of course mm -hmm. the story itself is fictional I mean, what are your thoughts? Not to put you on the spot, but <laughs> but I'll put you on no, the spot. No, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's kind of why I mentioned that it's not really analyzing the Vietnam War itself, right? Because mm -hmm. so many movies 
that do and like that are you know apocalypse now uh, full metal jacket platoon they all uh, maybe a little bit less so with platoon but the but actually it, it certainly is in platoon a lot um they all sort of analyze the united states role in the mm-hmm. war and they kind of take uh you know a viewpoint of like the the atrocities that were committed by the states mm-hmm. in vietnam whereas this movie doesn't really touch any of that on it, no, none. It, it, none. It, yeah. it is a specifically about these guys who are captured and, you know, have these essentially, which are war crimes being committed on them, right? Right, these, yep. these, um So it, I think that that's, and that's not to say that that's a negative aspect of it. I don't, I you know, I'm not really looking into a movie for its politics. I'm looking into a movie for, you know, how it makes me feel. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily like even the point of the film, right? Um, to, right. to, like you said, to tell like a factual retelling of the Vietnam War or the truth about it, or even in a, in a situation where you're not telling a factual retelling of anything like Apocalypse Now, you know, the, the MO of Apocalypse Now is an anti-war film. It's, it's to, to criticize American involvement in Vietnam and it's to criticize, or maybe you know, war in general, war, uh, war in general. Exactly. Whereas yeah. this, I don't, I don't really think that that is the, the thesis of this film. Yeah, I think the thesis of this film is is about the effect of of yeah. any conflict of any traumatic events on these you know working class blue collar guys from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I while I understand the the you know the basis of the critique and the the controversy, I I think that it's I don't really quite think that that's what the movie was trying to say in the first place. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think that it's necessarily something that's um, all that relevant in a way. I think that it's it's certainly heightening, you know, not to relate this film to like an adventure film, but like, you know, the Nazis weren't digging up the Ark of the Covenant. And yet, you know, it <laughs> well, serves a greater purpose, no, right? And that's an interesting point, you know, uh, so that you bring up a very interesting point in contrast. I think it's worth taking a look at. So... You know, another thing that was that was a controversy about this film, in addition to the accuracy of Russian roulette and did the North Vietnamese actually do this to POWs, was just the representation of the Vietnamese people as a whole, mm-hmm. period. And uh, I, I, I would agree with you that I think this film is, is not trying to make a, a specific factual statements about what Vietnam was, what happened in Vietnam, um, it's it's using symbology, I think, to try to tell tell a different story, which is this is what this is how violence and war can change people and disrupt a community and look at the the ripples of that violence and how it can affect a small town, a group of people in a community. Um, but of course, it's you know it's like you mentioned Indiana Jones. I don't th- now I. I can't recall, and I and I haven't looked into this extensively, but my guess is is that there wasn't a lot of complaints about the representation of Nazis. <laughs> of the Nazis in, <laughs> in oh, yeah. well, no, no, and hold on, and I don't want this to come off wrong. I am not in any way, shape, fashion, or form comparing Vietnamese to Nazis. That's I, I want to make no, sure that's no. clear. Yeah. I, that's not my intention at all, because I know that could as soon as I said it, I was like, whoa, that could sound weird. I, all I'm all I'm saying is that. Both of these films take place in a real historical event. So World War II, for one, and uh, the Vietnam War, right after, post-Vietnam War, for the other film. One is clearly a, a fiction—you know, it's clearly fictional. It's, it's, um, it's, a, it's like a much lighter I- adventure film, and, mm-hmm. so, and it has supernatural elements, you know. And I mean, it's like—so I don't think anybody's getting confused that— this is, you know, Indiana Jones is not an actual, you know, representation of anything real that happened. But I think it might speak to, you could think that this was a real thing, right? You, you could, this, this uh, deer hunter is represented in such a, almost a documentary way in some aspects, right? It's extremely realistic um, and in some ways. And so yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. that's part of what that is, you know, where it's like, you know, it's, it happened, you know, this film was released in 78. The Vietnam War is, is very fresh on the minds of so many people. So many people are still reeling from the effects of that, of course, both in Vietnam and here in the United States and elsewhere. So it's, it's, it's very much, it's, it's, it's close, you know, time-wise. And the film is, is talking about something so sensitive and so powerful 
such a profound experience for so many people that had such an impact. So I could definitely understand why people would be sensitive to these things in that film um, and why they might not be for Indiana Jones, you know? Yeah, I, I would say, honestly, my one, um, a major critique, if I, I do have one of the film, um, and again, this isn't really a critique of the filmmaking, um, but it's that the, um, and I mean the, the technical, like, you know, craftsmanship right. of the filmmaking, uh-huh. um, that scene, the opening scene in Vietnam when they're in that, that village, yeah, um, it almost paints, like, it's, it almost, again, misses this opportunity to explore, mm. you know, the idea of PTSD in a, in a, in a greater light mm. um in not i don't mean great in a positive light i mean greater as in more you know significant a, a deeper extent mm-hmm. um that so what we see is we see this this uh northern vietnamese soldier or uh, i guess they are Viet Cong because they have the Viet Cong flag hung up in the um the pow camp mm-hmm. putting a grenade in a you know bunker filled with with vietnamese civilians um, right whereas what i and i think the reason that stuck out to me and and then we have Robert De Niro trying to save them, and he, he lights them on fire and all that. Yeah. The reason I think that stuck out to me, and I think didn't really work for me, is because another thing that that a lot of films explore, especially contemporary films, but even back then, again, you know, Apocalypse Now does, and, and Platoon does as well, mm-hmm. is that a lot of the reason that these guys were coming back so screwed up with PTSD was because of the atrocities that were being committed by, by like they would, they would be, you know, the American soldiers that were forced to, to massacre civilians and things like that. And you get that whole scene in apocalypse now with the ride of the Valkyries where they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're just bombing a village and um, platoon. Yeah. That, that's kind of the huge function of the plot is that there's one character who, who kind of is, is like this madman who's massacring all these civilians. And so I think that it was, missing this opportunity to also add a level of of like significance there Mm. um where where it kind of like for a second that 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 village scene almost turns into just kind of like a like a a strange sort of like hero versus villain action scene Um, yeah you've got de niro on the ground and he's like rushing over with the flamethrower and the you know the bad guy is so it's it was kind of it was just kind of one of those things where i was like definitely i was not expecting that and um it felt a little bit more two-dimensional than the rest of the film. I think that's a good way to put it, is that it just Yeah, felt, I think it's felt... the weakest part of the film. That yeah. Fr- from, yeah. from when we are immediately thrust into Vietnam until, the, uh, until we're in the POW camp itself, that's what, maybe five minutes of film-ish? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, it's the weakest five minutes of the film, I think, by, by far, by a long shot. I, I would agree with you. It's 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 dis it's disjointed, and it um it it seems like there's a lot of opportunity that's left on the table. Um, like you have you've already discussed. Um, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. But I just I think it's interesting. You know, as I think, just to go back a little bit to this idea of fact versus uh you know aesthetic mm-hmm. truth versus factual truth. I mean, I think it's it's a it's a it's a question that any artist is confronted with every time you create, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it could, it's, it's not always easy. It's not always, you know, I think you, no matter what's one of the things that I've noticed as an artist, I mean, you can hold anything that you might want in your heart, right. While you're creating something, you can hold something and it's so clear and it's so crystal to you. But then once you release your work out into the world, the, every single person that sees it is gonna is gonna have a, a, experience an entire potentially an entirely different uh, experience, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and it could be so contradictory to what you hold in your heart, um, and it's hard to sometimes explain to people that that you know because their experience is their experience. They're like, well, no, I I saw this filming and, and film, and this is what I experienced, and you know, and you're you could be over here saying, oh my gosh, I had the exact opposite thing in my heart when I made this film. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just definitely, uh, can be challenging, especially if you're dealing with sensitive historic, uh, stories, you know, that are yeah. kind of set in a yeah. real history. Yeah. And yeah. I, so I, I think, I guess to, to, um, one of the things that we haven't really spoken too much about yet is, uh, is Vilma Sigmund's cinematography. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was obviously shot on film, um, Fifty-two forty-seven, which is one of my favorite film stocks, mm-hmm. um, and it was shot on anamorphic. Very, you know, you yeah. can tell that they're those those old C series anamorphics because when they're the wedding scene in particular, um, you know, you've got when like it's like you really only had like a sliver of of 
frame that was focus. in focus, like the top, the bottom, and the sides. Uh -huh. So you had this huge amount of focus fall off. Um, but I do think, you know, I like that look. I, I think it's a really interesting look. I like Sigmund. Um, I think yep. that the way that he, again, presents this town, you know, which is primarily through post-processing of the film, like it's grainy and it's dull and it's... Well, I think they you know, underexposed it a couple and, yeah. stops and then pushed it in, it in up. development, yeah. right? Is, if, yeah. Am I mistaken? That's what it looks like No, yeah, because it's super... It's like the grain is really, really, really clear. Yeah. Um, and, and very, very, you know, at the forefront of the image. And it's um, very dark in a it's lot of... I mean, and that, you know, I, I, I just love, again, that that those moments in that town in Pennsylvania, I think, are so, like, eerily beautiful. Like, it mm -hmm. kind of makes you feel of, like, a, you know, a little bit like an industrial revolution sort of, of feel. Yeah. There's factories that are overlooking the whole town. And so I think that that, yeah, so I think Sigmund did, you know, as per usual, it's, it's so beautiful. a great job. And um, contrast, contrasted with this beautiful, beautiful uh, landscape, that yes. photography, where they're hunting yeah. the deer is just so... I, I think I there's a in the commentary they talked about how I think it took they, it took them about three weeks to shoot all of the deer hunting footage both really? before wow. and after to get to get everything perfect where they had the clouds low and thick and moving in the background yeah especially at the end when the fog is coming over oh. that, that mountain behind De Niro as he kind yeah. of stalks the deer and yeah. they they used trained deers so this was interesting because I always wonder I'm like well how in the world do you get a deer to pretend that it was shot like how yes. in the world do you yeah. do that. So um, uh, the way they did that was that so there are such thing as trained deers. So I'm I assuming these know that. <laughs> deers are from the time they're born, they're raised by humans, so they're not scared of people. And they actually tranquilize them. So that's how they actually get the deer to fall as if it had been shot, was wow. to tranquilize okay. it. And then they, they shoot it, you know, kind of falling over and passing out i guess for lack of a better term i yeah. don't know if that's something that you can do in today's day and age i don't know if yeah I, I wonder i don't i doubt with the tranquilizer you'd probably have to yeah because i that's mean really I'm interesting a, though i had no idea that that was yeah a, yeah, yeah I, I had no idea either because i was so curious i'm like there's no way in the world that you could get a deer to just fall over like how is that even possible yeah and that's and, yeah and they and would I, tranquilize so i guess it. they're yeah. reindeer then because they're domesticated yeah. <laughs> but um but it's but i think that that's I also agree, those yeah. those mountain moments which are again very clearly shot in the the Rockies or something because that's not really what the Appalachians. Yeah, I'm not like. sure where that was shot. Um, yeah, but looks like the Rockies at least. Um, but uh, that it it I think goes to show you that I think a lot of times people just assume that like it's very easy to shoot beautiful landscapes because the landscape is is the beautiful part and you just point a camera at it and you're good. But I've seen you know the way that Sigmund shoots the the landscapes in this and the way that. You know, you, all you have to do is watch watch him. You know, I'm, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head immediately, but I've certainly seen films that are shot in very beautiful locations that don't take advantage of that or don't frame well, here's those a real, things very well. Here's a really easy way to, to illustrate this for people. So everybody listening, I'm sure this has happened to you. It's happened to me. You're you're standing in an absolutely gorgeous uh, place with a beautiful landscape view, and you take out your iPhone and you try to take a picture of it. And then what does it look like? Crap. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's exactly. It's and actually, it's not just the camera because, and, you know, you can take no, pretty gorgeous images on an iPhone. But yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's I just mean that it's, you're right. I, I'm agreeing with you. Just because yeah. that you've got a beautiful landscape doesn't mean for a second that it's easy to capture it. It's exactly. actually yeah. I am actually almost always severely disappointed with my ability to capture the beauty that I see with my eyes with a camera when it comes to landscapes and have a tremendous amount of respect for cinematographers and directors who are able to actually cast. Ca Which is funny because I think we're we're sort of the opposite in that. I find so I find it really the shooting people very challenging. Yeah, um, so whereas I, we, I, we, we've we've talked about opposite. this before where you you said to, that yeah yeah. Yeah, I and, like and, like landscapes are, are like I, I'm I'm a really big fan of Monet and so I love yeah. like these like sweeping vistas and, and it and even affects like the lens choices that we usually yeah. like to work with. I tend to work with a little bit longer lenses. I like mm -hmm. to get in people's faces, uh, and you tend to use much wider lenses and kind of de-emphasize a focus on a, an actor's face and get kind of more of a a sense of like space where you're at. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, huh? Yeah, but I'm, yeah. I I always disappoint myself when I try to get a, an amazing landscape. A it can be thing. very tough. It's 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 not easy. I mean, it's like because I think that's the mistake, right? Is the, assuming that the landscape will look good no matter what. Mm. Um, and then and then you know you again like you said you look at the image on your phone and you're like, damn, it looks like <laughs> crap. <laughs> it looks like um, crap. But but yeah, I think Sigmund's really, um, you know. He's great at, at even just the, the scene when De Niro's chasing Walken in the car after he sees him uh, in, in Saigon. And he's running oh, after yeah. the car when he's in the car with the Frenchman. It's like... Not, not like, when he's, he's running he's, after the car when he's naked, right? No, no, no. <laughs> these like neon, you know, like lights that line the street. And you've got that tungsten film. So everything's sort of got this blue, like all the, the lights sort of have this blue tinge to them. And, um, you know, I think that there's a reason that he's, he's a legendary cinematographer. He did two of Spielberg's movies and um, did, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of classics. So, yeah, no, um, he's one of the best. There's no question. Um, yeah. I mean, we haven't talked about any of his films here, although we, we might. But no, I we mean, did one. We did talk about uh, Long Goodbye. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. We did Long Goodbye. But I mean, it's, you know, McCabe and Miss Miller. We've got, you know, Sugarland Express, Close mm-hmm. Encounters of the Third Kind, Blowout, which is one of my favorite films. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, he, he's done some, uh, he, I mean, his filmography is quite impressive. There's no question. One of the best cinematographers I'm sure, to ever, ever, you know, ever hold the position. There's no no doubt. Yes. Yeah. And, be, a, yeah. and a pivotal figure in the, the American kind of new wave of cinema at that time, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, man. I mean, what, I, I, you know, something we hadn't, we hadn't talked at all about music about the score but but you know you and i talked about this briefly and, it, and it's interesting um the music that stands out to me most in this film is not any kind of score but is in you know whether it's um the the kind of the the russian folk music that's so prominent and prevalent uh in the wedding um i think is really successfully used to to, to illustrate kind of the uh, almost like the ancestral context of this community mm-hmm. um and it, which is actually really beautiful and fun to see with the dancing that they do <laughs> in the in that yeah. in the in that but you've and you've got some russian funeral music you've got um when they're at the bar they're kind of singing along showing camaraderie um and of course and i want to really talk to you about this scene because i'm curious what your take was on it because it's one of the more obvious kind of usages of music in the film is at the very end at the coda when mm-hmm. when they you've got them all sitting around the table and singing god bless america i am curious what what was your take on that do you feel like that was that a genuine or an ironic moment in your mind I, and there's no wrong answer because i don't I think, think the, anybody the, knows the actors seem to definitely be playing it ironic i mean i think okay. you just like the look on meryl streep's face mm. is without a doubt very yeah. Um, very, but I don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the like. I mean, at best, bitter sometimes there are mis- like there are different takes from the writers to the actors, right? Yeah, yeah. So it um it could have very well been written as a genuine, and and the reason I say that too is because it is hard to tell what the writers real take on the American mm-hmm. involvement in the Vietnam War is. Like, there's mm-hmm. not really a clear, you know political statement being made by the film no there's not um so it, it can be difficult to kind of discern i i would say that yeah. yeah i think that the actors definitely brought more of the ironic more of the kind of critical hmm. um you know approach yeah. to that but yeah. um fair yeah. totally fair assessment i i think my you know kind of knee-jerk response to it um was, was maybe more of like bittersweet as opposed to maybe ironic you know so I don't know what that means exactly. Kind of maybe bittersweet is mm-hmm. leans a little towards the ironic. You know, it's clearly not like a, hey, happy days. You know, uh, God bless America. You know, <laughs> apple pie. It, it, you know, it's definitely bittersweet at most. Um, but that was kind of my main takeaway. Mm-hmm. But I could certainly see, and it's interesting in the commentary. Um, Vilmos talks about how when he was reading the script how he was like looking at this and like, Oh my gosh, you know, he goes, he goes to Camino and was like, are you really going to do this? This is going to be so cheesy. Like this is going to be horrible. And I wonder if, because, because of course you're from the States and I'm not, and Sigmund's not. 
Um, yeah. So I wonder if if that's maybe the difference is just that like I obviously yeah. don't have a connection to the song I, uh, or God Bless America. Neither would Zygmunt. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. So I wonder if it's if it's well, the the cultural thing. Well, he said so. Vilmos did admit so after it was actually performed, the way it was performed, the way you see it, then that he changed his mind. That mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, because it is more nuanced. Because it 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 does have like a certain sense of bittersweetness and irony in it that makes it more nuanced and complex as opposed to just like some patriotic, you know, like I mean that that would have felt really Very bizarre, straight, yeah. just so bizarre at the yeah. end of this film for it to have just been some kind of. Breaking out in a song. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That would have been that would have been really, really out of place. Um well I yeah, I mean any any final words on the film? I I I it's fun again as always to to kind of like get to get to hear your take on it from another generation on a first viewing. Uh that's always that's always fun for me. Um, so anything else that you kind of any last thoughts that you might have? I feel like we probably covered pretty much everything. We're, yeah, we're, no, at, I, I we're at an like hour, we, yeah. Yeah, we awesome. got a lot. We got a lot. All right, well, as always, audience, our lovely audience out there, thank you for for hanging out there with us. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode, episode 55. Uh, we look forward to next when we will discuss another film. We don't know which one yet, but this is going to be Cullen's choice next time, so we'll just have to mm-hmm. wait and see. But until then, everybody, have a wonderful couple weeks. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.